Good morning, all. Thank you all for sitting. I can't say how essential it is that we keep returning to each other in this way, even though it's not ideal. And um, today I wanted to talk about the uh, popular Zen concept of intimacy. And um, I'm grateful that we can feel in some way or another uh, an intimacy with each other, even though we're, we're not together physically. So in order to um, help us um, imagine us all sitting in a room together, I, I, again, I want to um, um, share the names of everyone who's sitting together right now in different spaces, because as I mentioned last time, not everybody can see each other. So Erica, Joshua, Jenny Lee, Luke, Krista Miskel, Daniel, Jessica, Elizabeth Chitter, Yoko, Elizabeth Roberts, Leila, Daniel, Bakrak, Julia, Che, Terence, Jeffrey, Michael Madormo, Camille, Ava, Michael Blong, Weishin, Kristen Davis, Tom, Koan, Don, Rahel, Flo, Eddie, Kaishin, Ryan, Kiku, Monica, Ian, Sansei, and me. <laughs> So happy May Day. It's the uh, May Day has been celebrated around the world since ancient times. It's an ancient festival of spring and it still continues to be celebrated in various forms all around the world from different religious traditions and pagan traditions. It's also International Workers Day. So happy International Workers Day. And um, you know, here, and I think, I think in New York as well, as I heard, it's been very windy. And even when it's not so windy, it's very windy here. So in the last 24 hours, it feels as if, you know, it's like, um, what's that old fairy tale, blow, the, the kind of blow your house down? <laughs> Who's it going to blow your house down? The big bad wolf. <laughs> That's how it's been feeling. It's been incredibly windy and incredibly cold. And in my body, I'm feeling this um, kind of resistance. I'm, I'm tired and frustrated of cold. I, I'm dying for the spring, you know, and yet, and there's spring, there's the flowers are out and the birds are singing. And yet there's this persistent, um, intense um, difficulty, difficulty in terms of my own body feeling, um, not being able to get warm. And I think that's, um, 
kind of how probably we where we are right now as a country it almost feels like we're in this tension space between um, what's possible and what we are still enduring. I think I say that each time I give a talk, but it still feels this way. So um, the other night we were in a meeting and um, a student asked the teachers who happened to be Kosin and I at the time, <laughs> um, can you please explain, can you please define intimacy for us? <laughs> And um, Kosin looked at me. <laughs> so in that intimate moment, I felt as if I needed to respond. And um, uh, as I often do, I, I kind of panic, you know, when being when being offered a chance to spontaneously respond to a question. So I blurted something out, and then I looked to Kosin, like, "Please clean this up. What did I forget?" So ever since that evening. I really, I, I, it kind of, I wanted to take that up. This, this idea of what intimacy is in practice. What is it in Zen? And, um, and then I found a fascicle, Dogen fascicle, uh, called intimate language. So I opened it up and read it. And as usual, I didn't understand a word he was talking about at first. And um, I was determined to study it. So I, I was studying it and practicing it for the last few days. And um, I, I, you know, we, were, we were sitting a three-day session here. So we sat yesterday and we'll be sitting tomorrow morning. And so I had a lot of chance to really think about and practice with intimacy. What does intimacy look like at this moment? Um, I've always been encouraged by that word being used so much in Zen. There's something about it I feel like I do understand. It's it's it evokes a certain kind of quality um, that feels accessible. But um, the more I studied it and the more I thought about it and the more I tried to figure out how I'm gonna say something about it, the farther away it was. I felt very far away from intimacy. And I, um, and I really was feeling a bit disconnected from myself. So it was as if the more I wanted to understand something, uh, the, the more I struggled. So then um, what I did feel intimate with was this um, feeling very strongly, not unusual for me, but that I didn't wanna speak. You know, yesterday was a, um, a chance for me to sit uh, with the community um, without being in practice discussions or so forth. And um, sorry, I just want to find something. And um, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to speak. I wanted to practice intimacy silently. That's how I wanted to study. And um so last night I came across um, a quote from Suzuki Roshi and I just got done um, teaching a class on the Zen ancestors and ending with Suzuki Roshi. And I was having this feeling in the last couple of, in the last week really, of feeling very close to him. I don't know why it's, you know, there's a little bit of a mystery to it, but it, he feels like a grandfather to me. 
And, you know, we bow to him every, every morning. And so I've just, he's felt close to me this week somehow. So then last night I, I came across this quote from Suzuki Roshi. He says, um, and it's, it's him giving, you know, a Dharma talk at Tassahara. And he says, maybe I am a very smoky kerosene lamp. I don't necessarily want to give a lecture. I just want to live with you, moving stones, having a nice hot spring bath, and eating something good. Zen is right there. When I start to talk, it is already a smoky kerosene lamp. As long as I must give a lecture, I have to explain, this is right practice, this is wrong, this is how to practice Zazen. It is like giving you a recipe. It doesn't work. You cannot eat a recipe. Oh, I felt so much better. <laughs> Speaking about intimacy is, is not the same as experiencing intimacy. So what happened in that moment was, um, it almost, you know, and it's interesting just to say, um, it gave me permission, you know, because the first day uh, with the monks here, I, I said, I didn't, wanna, I, I didn't wanna give a Dharma talk. So at 11 o'clock, we all went out into the garden where there's so much to do and we weeded and Ryan, Doug, what's with that thing? With the broad fork, he's digging and Kaishin is shoveling and we're weeding. And it felt like, okay, this is Zen. You know, it felt so wonderful to, um, to be in practice that way. And, um, and then I realized after reading that quote, um, I don't want to be with you in this way. I want us all to be in a room together. That's how I feel. I, I want to see your backs. <laughs> you know, I want to hear you guys sighing <laughs> and coughing and wiggling around and resonating together. I want us to be doing dishes together and cooking together. And that permission, you know, uh, of I don't want to started to um, shift things for me. And then I realized I, I didn't want to speak about suffering. You know, when I was trying to do this talk, I was just like, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about the suffering of the world right now. I don't want to feel and hear the cries in my body and in this world. I don't want to feel into all these people in India dying of COVID and more black children getting killed and people getting harmed because of their race. I don't want to think that these winds are part of some premonition of more extreme weather. And I realized that um, 
as soon as I let myself open up to that pain and acknowledge it and settle into it, I didn't even realize it was there. It was right there in front of me and I didn't, I was squirming around it somehow. And it's right there right now as I begin to speak about this grief. But it did close a gap for me, you know. Uh, the intimacy is uh, available for me in some way, a little bit more now. I, I ran across a quote from Pema Chodron. She says, nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. So I have been practicing, feels like forever. And there's a lesson right there again. I think the heart of the matter for us as practitioners, how do we stay close, um, especially to pain? I think it's so difficult. So I did want to um, go back to this intimacy um, as the teachers have described it. And um, I'll read you this, this fascicle, and um, 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 then I'll just speak a few things about it that I hope can help us, not in an intellectual way, but as a way of orienting as we sit on the cushion the rest of the day together. So, so it starts off with uh, intimate, uh, exchange between two people as, as our teachings often do. So Yun Yu was asked by an imperial minister who brought an offering. He said, the world honored one had intimate language and Maha Kashapa did not conceal it. What was the world honored one's language? What was his intimate language? And Young Yu said, Your Excellency. Yes, he responded. Young Ju said, Do you understand it? The minister said, the minister said, No, I don't. And Young Ju said, If you don't understand it, the world honored one had intimate language. If you understand it, Maha Kashapa did not conceal it. So there, uh, there's a lot to this fascicle. It, it has a, a um, it has it just unwinds itself around around this concept of intimacy and intimate language. Um, and I won't go through it. It's it just feels so complex. But I did want to pull out a few things um, from it that might help us. And I love the idea of intimate language. Um, what makes something intimate language rather than just uh, speaking with each other? So uh, one of the things that he goes on to say, Dogen, he says, right now, is the very moment when you are intimate with yourself, intimate with other. You are intimate with Buddha ancestors, 
intimate with other beings. This being so, intimacy renews intimacy. So I think it, it is often the case and, and um, that we believe that this teaching of suchness or intimacy as suchness, as, as, as being present and, and alive and um, intimately in our world is, is far away from us. That it's something that we have to work really hard at and figure out and get all the blocks out of the way and then intimacy will be there. And, uh, and Dogen says, no, this is not true, that the mystery is right here before us in this very moment. It's not concealed. And that nothing in the entire universe is concealed. That it's communicating to us all the time. So we're always in an intimate relationship with life it may, however, not be known to us. You know, when the Zen master said to the, to the um, minister, your excellency, he was right there, just meeting him. <laughs> that was it. And we miss it. Dogen says, when you encounter a person, you invariably hear intimate language and speak intimate language. When you know yourself, you know intimate action. Thus, Buddha ancestors can thoroughly actualize this intimate heart and intimate language. So yesterday when um, we were out in the garden I had this idea, you know, this is going to be wonderful. I'm going to be with the plants and with the flowers. I'm going to be intimate with them. And as I was picking out weeds, I, I, I was, I noticed a part of my mind was, you know, loves to get everything just so, you know, it's like examining where the grass, where, you know, what's a weed and what's a plant and, and I'm, you know, I'm going to go down this row first, then I'll go around to the other row, all of that, you know. And at the same time, I heard the crows and I felt the wind. Uh, but that was where my mind was. And then last night, when I was um, laying down and watching the clouds, and I closed my eyes for a minute, and in my mind, in my body, actually, in my body came up images of, of worms and dirt <laughs> and and sticks that I had I had pulled out but they weren't they weren't um, ideas they were like they were like literally coming from my body a sensory sense of them so even though in a moment we might be distracted our mind might be distracted we're actually receiving intimate information, our sense, our sensory bodies are, are actually experiencing things in a way that we may not even be aware of in that moment. And I think sometimes when we sit down in Zazen, this is so wonderful about sitting, is that when we start to um, 
soften. It's like um, what Tia was talking about last week. The two can come together, you know? Yes, my mind was doing its thing that it likes to do with tasks. <laughs> but my body took in the dirt and took in the worms. And, and uh, you know, this, this intimate is really... Uh, is really uh, relies on bodies, on, on our senses, you know. So one of, uh, you could say, one of the most famous phrases in Zen is not knowing is most intimate. <laughs> Norman Fisher said, you know, Zen, is, Zen teaches through phrases. <laughs> this is a big one for us. So intimate language is an embodied language it's a heart language you know when my heart got involved when i got a little bit cleared about what was blocking me you know the intimacy arose so our sensory bodies are vehicles of intimacy our ears, our nose, smell, taste, touch, absorbing. And this is the, you know, this is what Suzuki says. This is the most important point you could say. Uh, how, especially during Zazen, during Sashin's, this is our chance to relax this mind that needs to understand and know. That's always, always, always making commentary, discerning this and that, having its agenda. So we relax that if we, we make an intention to relax that hole, that grip it has, and intimacy floods in, or the knowing of intimacy, because it's always there. So we can maintain mystery when we stop really kind of thinking we know what's going on. And um, I think the other reason intimacy is so emphasized in Zen is because we believe that things are, um, well, that, 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 that this teaching of interconnection, connectedness and interdependency is how we transmit our lineage. So it, we're, it's, it's an intimate tradition. That's why I, I, I want us to all be in a room together, you know? So we can feel how we're sharing and, and passing on and transmitting wisdom to each other. And we can't do it on our own. You know, even when we go to chant, um, I was I was going to chant something for the students in this in the ancestor in the intro to Zen class, <laughs> and I, I, you know, something I've chanted a thousand times, and I go to chant it, and no words come up. I couldn't I couldn't find the chant because nobody else was chanting with me. So uh, Dogen speaks about this. He says, intimate means close and inseparable. There's no gap. Intimacy embraces Buddha ancestors. 
It embraces you. It embraces the self. It embraces action. It embraces generations. It embraces merit. It embraces intimacy. I'm just thinking this is what we are, intimacy generators here. <laughs> That's what a bodhisattva is. And, and we are, by showing up and being together in this way, we're, 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 we're reestablishing, deepening our faith and trust and intimacy. So um, I was going to, a couple of other things Dogen says about intimacy I wanted to share with you. And um, an important point, I think, is that intimacy is not dependent on things being any particular way. So I think we think that intimacy means that, you know, um, we're feeling good about each other, you know, or we're, we're close in this very um, common kind of way. You know, we've been together many years, so we're intimate. And uh, and it doesn't matter whether we're, we're joyful or happy or, or even trusting or safe. We can be intimate with, with whatever is arising. And uh, actually, you know, things that we don't think go together are actually usually very intimately together like uh, joy and grief and love. So I wanted to share with you um, as an intimacy exercise, um, you know, and it feels very funny to do almost in a way, which makes me feel like it's, it's, it feels sacred because I think intimacy is sacred when we're in a space together and someone is sharing something intimate. It's very sacred. So I, I want to get very careful at that moment. So in the New York Times the other day, maybe some of you saw it, there was an article with photos, beautiful photos about um, family members coming together. Um, people who had been in, who were in nursing homes, mothers and grandmothers, um, there was reunions, I guess, because of the vaccinations and the nursing homes being safe. So there, there were these incredible photos about the reunion. And they, uh, and the photos really were the most powerful. But I just wanted to read you um, a couple of things that they were saying in this reunion. And these people uh, are strangers to us. And um, let us in to this intimate moment. So the first is, um, there's a photo of a, a gentleman. His name is Jim. He's 84 years old. He's very, very tiny, thin, in a wheelchair. He had a cowboy hat on. <laughs> he was a resident. He's been a resident at Focus Care at Fort Stockton in West Texas since 2018. And during the pandemic, his wife, who also lived in the facility, died after a battle with Parkinson's disease. And their family could not visit before their mother's death. And this month, they were all reunited, the father and the son, the daughter-in-law and the grandson. 
So this is the, the, the daughter-in-law says, Beverly, I was the first to walk into the room. He looked up and saw me and just immediately put his head down and started crying. I went up and gave him a hug. It was very overwhelming, just the joy of seeing him again. He would just take Wayne's hand and hold it and start crying. And then the same thing with James. I'm sure he felt that we had had been that he had been abandoned. I don't know what I don't know that he understood why we couldn't come, just that we quit coming. And the, and the son. They were in separate rooms because of my dad's dementia and my mother's Parkinson's. But they were right across the hall from each other, and he would typically go down there for most every day. My mom passed away January 29th. We did have a funeral for her, a graveside service, but my dad was locked down at the nursing home. My main concern was that he wouldn't know us when he finally saw us. It was really good that we knew he knew who we were. Just him knowing that we were there and that we were back was a huge relief. And then one other I share. A woman, a grandmother, Kung Yan Mui, 93, had been a resident at the San Francisco campus for Jewish living since 2019. Her granddaughter, Anita, grew up with her grandmother and visited her but could only see her at a distance during the pandemic. So this is Anita, the granddaughter. I was hiding in the bathroom when she came in. It was a surprise. She didn't recognize me initially because I had my mask on. I'm going to be honest, it was kind of sad. I am one of the most involved persons in her life and she couldn't recognize me. I immediately just started patting her legs and her arms for better blood circulation. I had brought some dumplings and also brought her some sesame balls, which she really enjoys. We made a video for the rest of the family for her to say hi. So this uh, joy and love and grief together, this uh, opportunity to be intimate for a moment with strangers. That there is a way that we can drop distance and barriers and um, and feel something uh, very deeply basic and human between us. And I again think about Suzuki Roshi that he suffered incredible tragedies in his life, and yet he was extremely filled with joy. And this is the case. So, Dogen also spells out how intimacy, uh, he goes back and forth around intimate language, and he, he explains that Intimate language is neither dependent on silence or on words. So being silent isn't necessarily intimate language. It can be, or it can be a kind of silent distancing. And um, sharing everything isn't necessarily intimate language. 
that we can we can really share a lot and 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 in a way be very distant in that felt sense of intimacy. And um, he also says intimate words can include wordless communication. So how is intimate language happen without words? The other day, um, somebody as a gift sent me um, a Mary Oliver book, Devotion. So I wanted to share what I thought was, and I think uh, what I love about poets is I think they can speak to and name this wordless something um, that's very intimate. So this, this is called uh, Little Dog's Rhapsody in the Night. She loved, she loved doing poems around her dog, about her dog. <laughs> he puts his cheek against mine and makes small expressive sounds. And when I'm awake or awake enough, he turns upside down his four paws in the air and his eyes dark and fervent. Tell me you love me, he says. Tell me again. Could there be a sweeter arrangement? Over and over, he asks, he gets to ask it. I get to tell. So can we catch even in um, non-sentient beings, a kind of a request for uh, a, a communication. You know, the flowers, the plants will communicate to us, but they need our care or attention in some way, if we're listening or a bowing mat or a laundry basket. <laughs> It's everywhere. And when we're not distracted, we're there, we're right there with it. And it's, it's a chance to be in communication with life. So the last thing I'll say about uh, uh, that I took from this um, teaching of Dogen's is, uh, and from all of Dogen's teachings and of all of Zen teachings, uh, that uh, intimacy arises or we're able to see or feel this intimacy when the self is forgotten, when we are, we can relax the sense of being separate. So again, um, Suzuki Roshi, maybe you know, there's so uh, there's there's so little. Uh, I'm so grateful for people who've captured his teachings, and there and many may, maybe many of you have seen this these small videos of Suzuki Roshi uh, uh, in the Tassajara Zendo teaching. So there's a very famous clip about a blue jay <laughs> that I love, and I, I I watch it over and over, not just for what he's saying but but his face you know and his spirit so so much being transmitted I appreciate so here's Suzuki Roshi I, I would rather you hear him say it but I'll do my best <laughs> so this is Suzuki Roshi in his lecture to his students at Tassahar around the Sendokai 
He says, Buddhists understand, Buddhists understand everything, every noise as a sound which we make. You may say, the bird is singing over there, but when we hear the bird, bird is me already. I am actually not listening to bird to the bird. Bird is here in my mind already, and I am singing with the bird. Peep, peep, peep. If you think when you are reading something, bird is there, blue jay is over my roof, blue jay is singing, but their voice is not so good. When you think that way, that is noise. When you are not disturbed by the blue jay, the blue jay will come right into your heart. And you will be a blue jay. And the blue jay will be reading something. <laughs> then the blue jay doesn't disturb your reading. Because you think blue jay is there, blue jay should not be over my roof. When you think in that way, that is more primitive understanding of being. Why we understand in that way, that is because of a need to practice. When you practice Zazen more, you can accept things as your own, whatever it is. So, In Zazen and in all of our practices, we actually prepare ourselves to, um, I would say, be intimacy, receive intimacy. And um, late and and part of that practicing is, um, I believe that we can be more intimate when we are more formal. And this, uh, that there's a way in which when we settle ourselves, when we are stiller, when we let go so much of our thinking mind or ideas about ourselves is bad or good, or blue jay is bad or good, or wind is bad as good, or we can, um, we can create the, the um, possibility to uh, receive painful information from an other, from the world. We can, uh, we can be alert and engage the precepts. All of those things help create the possibility for intimacy, whether with ourselves, with another person, with um, with the conditions of our of our world, so this is what we're doing here. This is why we sit together and support each other, because we can't do it by ourselves. What time was I supposed to stop? Nine minutes. In nine minutes. Okay. So I will, um, what I would 
one of the things that I think helps is for us to know that we're connected. You know, we can stay settled and we can stay grounded when we feel supported, when we don't feel like we're um, flying out there alone, we can open up to pain. And um, you know, I, I remember in Zenju's poem, we get closer to the ground. You know, we, we move from the head to the heart and even to the gut, you know, to the roots. We feel ourselves rooted. And then I think we can, we can create a, a way of hearing and seeing and feeling where we don't have to, we don't have to leave ourselves or leave, the, leave what's right here. So I'll just end with one more Mary Oliver poem since I have the time. Um, which is about grounding and disappearing <clears throat> and being supported. <clears throat> and it's called Sleeping in the Forest. <clears throat> I thought the earth remembered me. She took me back so tenderly, arranging her dark skirts, her pockets, full of lichens and seeds. I slept as never before, a stone on the riverbed, nothing between me and the white fire of the stars but my thoughts. And they floated light as moths among the branches of the perfect trees. All night I heard the small kingdoms breathing round me, the insects, and the birds who do their work in the darkness. All night I rose and fell as if in water, grappling with a luminous doom. By morning, I had vanished at least a dozen times into something better. So <clears throat> until we can be together in person, I was going to say, seeing and smelling each other <laughs> and feeling each other and getting annoyed by each other. All of the wonderful things that happen in community, intimate communities. You know, we can, we can do this. So maybe you might want to bring a plant nearby and some of you are together sitting. It's so wonderful to see that and, um, and know that we're, we're all connected and we're all here practicing intimately together. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.